In today's episode of Beyond the Saddle, we are talking with Sydney Abbott, and she is going to give you an education in the feed yard business, as well as some insight into how horses are used out there every day in their truest form. In this podcast, we go beyond the saddle as we explore professional careers across the equine industry. I'm your host, Katie Kleinbell. Let's tack up and head out. Welcome back to another episode of Beyond the Saddle as part of our series with Cowgirl Magazine's 30 Under 30. Today, we're going to talk with Sydney Abbott. Sydney, thank you so much for coming on the show. Yes, I'm really excited to be here and grateful for the opportunity. We cannot wait to get to know you and to talk horses with you. Um, Tell us what you do and provide the context of what your day-to-day is like and what is your job? So I have kind of two primary roles in my life. Um, My husband and I own a hay company, Abbott Hay Co., Um, We provide roughage to feedlots and dairies in the Texas Panhandle. And then my official job is uh, head of cattle management and research at the OT Feed Yard and Research Center in Demet, Texas. So we run different experiments and get the research for pharmaceutical companies, um, even more recently, technology companies that are moving into the cattle space. So I kind of oversee all of that. And then the second part of my job um, at OT in the cattle management role would be forward contracting and pricing live cattle um, to ultimately go to slaughter and into grocery stores. Three very different, um, but very complementary aspects to what you're doing every day between the hay company and um, your research functions, and then also what you're doing on the true feedlot side. Um, Talk to me about how that sort of integrates together um, in your day-to-day. So are you doing like research in the morning and, you know, the feedlot buying and selling in the afternoon or what is, or is it seasonal? Like, give us an idea of what, like, what's the timeline for that? So... On a a daily business schedule, we're always watching the cattle market. So I kind of do that uh, basically 24-7, planning when to best market the the cattle that I oversee. Um, And then our hay company, that's a a seven-day-a-week operation my husband runs. I do all of the invoicing in the evening and um, coordinate trucking checks, payments, stuff like that. That's an evening job. And then uh, my nine to five, I guess you could say, would would be in the office doing the research. So in my research role, I have to be out in the field with the animals sometimes, um, establishing protocol with different veterinarians and scientists, product developers. Um, They do let me work from home quite a bit, so that's nice. I get to take a lot of Zoom meetings, and I have an 18-month-old baby girl, so we get to spend a lot of time together doing paperwork at home. Oh, my goodness. Congratulations, new mama. 18 months. She's just getting really fun now, isn't she? Yes. She loves to go check cattle. Uh, Her and I check the research pins quite frequently, three or four times a week, so it's, it's fun to have my community and workspace and and family space all integrated pretty well. 
Aw, yes. Well, it's so great that you have that flexibility so that you can work from home, but also that you get the hands-on stuff. I think a lot of people like myself, I work from home and I love it, but I do miss being out like hands-on in the field doing the things. So you kind of have the best of both worlds, it sounds like. Yes, I do love getting out into the field. We do um, check weights for most of the research projects. So I get to weigh the cattle. I process I'm there at processing um, for every single head that we enroll into a trial. So all of that kind of management activities I get to oversee and participate in. So I, I like love working with livestock and that is kind of the cowgirl part to my role. Yes, absolutely. Um, if you don't mind, I'd love to know if you can paint a picture about the research that you do, like, like what's an example of a research project that you're you've helped with recently, or maybe that's coming up just so we can sort of wrap our arms around it. Yes. So recently we have a um, 1600 head trial. Um, I cannot name the company it's with for confidentiality reasons or speak too specifically about what their product is. Um, but they're using artificial intelligence to determine when the best time to treat a sick animal would be. So uh, we have a control group and a treatment group. The control group would be run in the traditional format, and then their treatment group is, is utilizing this technology. So we get to test that. Um, and requires that we check various levels of performance. So their health scores, their rumination levels, their average daily gain. We look at all of this data to compare it to the traditional method. That is so fascinating. And it sounds like it's very rewarding um, because the, the findings from your research will help shape the industry and technologies that can help us going forward. That's got to be rewarding. Yes. Yeah, that's the best part of my job. I think that I find the most fulfilling is that I know that long term we're making better strides for the industry um, and better advancements towards just the handling and overall health and well-being of cattle. So that's our top priority here at our research facilities um, is just to add to the betterment of the, of the cattle feeding industry and cattle as a whole. Sure, absolutely. How did you end up here? Let's talk about your journey. Like, uh, where'd you go to school and what did you study? And then what were your stepping stones to lead you to this very unique and very fulfilling role? So it's kind of funny. I grew up rodeoing um, and I kind of never had quite the the grace and ease of the other girls I grew up with. A lot of them went on to break arena records and I'm just honestly um, not, not that much of a cowgirl in that traditional sense. Um, <laughs> so I my dad, I went to New Mexico State University, and my dad was adamant that I go to the ag college because uh, he said that was the easiest and people would take care of me there. Well, I didn't want anything to do with it. And growing up in New Mexico, we don't have a huge ag sector. So I kind of thought my life would just be working at farm credit, and that's that's not what I wanted to do. I kind of pivoted for a while, um, did some soul searching and figured out that I do love agriculture and that's where I'm happiest. So I moved to Amarillo, met my husband um, and started as a temp um, 
covering for my friend that went on maternity leave. And my boss at the time, he owns this feed yard, but he owns a liquid feed company um, and several other businesses kind of within cattle feeding. And so he he really guided me and got me into it. So I, I kind of owe all the credit to him. He was my mentor in the industry. He was your Northern star. Yes. <laughs> guiding you here. <laughs> yeah, he, he is 86 years old um, and he owns, I think, eight companies. So he is a, a great inspiration and has provided me with a lot of advice and definitely sent me in the right direction. Sounds like one heck of a mentor. Like, sounds like he has a ton of experience that you can kind of lean into and and feel him out for. <laughs> yes. Yeah. He has been a, a tremendous attribute to my career. Yeah, definitely. Sounds like it. Oh my gosh. Well, I'm so glad that you ended up here. What you do sounds so cool. And it sounds like it was meant to be in lots of ways for you to sort of land in this space. Um, of course, I want to talk about horses and your experience and seeing it day to day on the feedlot side of how they're using horses out there. I would love to get your perspective on you know how valuable that is and what that means for the operation. Yes. So when I considered going on your podcast, I always hear you ask, you know, the question, what about horses in your life? And so I always look out of my window here at the feedlot and I just see how privileged I am to be in a trade where horses are still used. You know, they're still our kind of employees and it's neat to connect that traditional way of life to how food is so rapidly being produced and consumed. We still have, you know, our traditional cowboys and they rely on the horse. Um, and the horse is super beneficial to our operations because they are lower stress for the cattle and we are all about uh, the well-being of the animal in our industry. So kind of interesting how that all ties together. Absolutely. Well, and it's, you know, you hit the nail on the head in that lower stress environment. There's just something about the way that a cowboy and a horse can go in and, you know, check, check on the pens and move them where they need to be moved and work them in the ways that they need to be worked that really can't be matched by any other, you know, technology or on foot or with a four wheeler or, you know, any of those other ways. It's such a symbiotic relationship between the cowboy and his horse and what needs to be done out there. Right. We have to feed cattle 365 days a year, you know, snow, sleet, shine, it doesn't matter. And the horse can always overcome and adapt to any of these conditions. Uh, we've recently been faced with some pretty serious floods in our industry and in, in the Texas panhandle this last summer. And we had to rely on horses to, um, take care of the other animals so it's an art that hasn't quite been lost you know you hear cowboys are the last of a dying breed but in the feedlot setting horses and cowboys are still holding strong heck yeah they are there's the picture of that simpler time and i don't see that changing not anytime soon at least <laughs> no no 
Well, that's the good news for all of us. And the equine industry, um, you know, is so diverse and there's so many different ways that we love our horses and we compete with them. Uh, but this is one of those very few, like you said, places that horses are still genuinely used. I like that you um, called them employees because they really are so integral <laughs> to the business and how you guys operate that that's exactly how you look at them for sure. Yeah, they they provide great value to our industry, and I think it's important that consumers understand that we still have that connection to what's being produced. There's a big disconnect between what consumers assume happen in the feedlot um, after uh, different documentaries like Food Inc. and stuff, and I have a very different perspective of what a feed yard is. We have humanely spaced pens. We have cowboys and and horses working the cattle and high nutrient roughage so it's a it's a great place to work and a great community to be a part of I'm really glad you brought that up because I wasn't sure if you wanted to go there but since you did I would love to yeah dig into that just a little bit of maybe the misconceptions about um, what it means to have a feed yard and what it sort of looks like in the day-to-day -day and the conditions for the cattle. What are some of the biggest myths that you know you see that you'd like to talk about that we can kind of bust here today about what it means to be in the feed yard business? Yeah, well, you hear this uh, term factory farm and growing up in New Mexico, I can relate to this. We didn't have any large scale feed yards or any that I was really aware of. So I did kind of have that image as a consumer, even though I had grown up in, in the rodeo industry, I had a lot of misconceptions myself about feedlots. And when I came to the feedlot and getting to work so closely with the cowboys and with our veterinary staff, I have learned that um, the health and well-being of cattle are their top priority. We feed customer cattle here, meaning that people contract us to take care of their cattle. So it's really important to us to keep our customers happy by taking care of their cattle and um, the cattle that we own here of course we we take great care of but i had no idea how many details and how many people go into establishing well-being for these animals we have nutritionists that ensure that they're getting the greatest quality of feed and nutrition and we have veterinarians that are just so skilled and knowledgeable. These animals do not go without a little sniffle without being treated. And so I think it's important for the consumer to know just the care that goes into these animals. Amen. Yes, there is such a, a team truly uh, that you're working with to keep them healthy and in tip-top condition. Um, and I think a lot of people maybe think of, you know, the cattle feeding business as, you know, maybe a, an uneducated cowboy out there just, you know, wrangle, wrangling his stock, right? Well, but there's so many professionals <laughs> who are part of this process. Like you mentioned, nutritionists, the veterinarians, and the cowboys themselves with their expertise on how to handle them. It truly is this ecosystem that no one really gets to see or maybe just doesn't realize goes into it. Yeah. And we put a lot of protocol in place to ensure the well-being, like, we actually do not use ropes at the feed yard. They're they're forbidden. We don't want to add any extra stress to the animal. Um, so that is something coming from the rodeo world. I didn't even know you could work 
cattle without a rope before I got into the feedlot industry. We seldom use hot shots, things like that, that I don't think the consumer is, is aware of that I would like to bring to light. Absolutely. Yeah, it's not like we can take all of America and take them out to a feedlot and have a tour, right? Although if that opportunity arises and is in your area, of course, we would love to encourage it. Um, but the everyday American, you know, they go to the grocery store and they think that's maybe where their meat came from and aren't thinking about, you know, all of the steps along the way. So how can we spread that word and paint this picture in a light that they understand about all these moving pieces? Um, and even though like, you know, animal, animal lovers, right, are sort of the entry point or, you know, people see a horse. Horses tend to be a, a common ground, a little entry point because, you know, they've got sort of a soft spot for them, but cattle too, right? But how do you paint that picture of really taking care, the best care of them possible? And everyone is part of that process. And, it, you know, it doesn't just magically end up, you know, at your grocery store in a package. That's not, that's not how this works. <laughs> right. Well, I know also um, from my point of view that this industry is very male dominated, right? And you're you're in it much deeper than I am. So I would love for you to speak to what it's like working in the field and being as part of this industry as a woman in that male dominated space. Yeah, I think um, honestly, I was a little intimidated to go into the feed yard and um, into these various roles that... I didn't necessarily have a, a predecessor paving the way for me. So I think one of the most important things that I would tell other women or encourage young girls is just to be teachable. The more that you can learn from all of these people in these other positions, the better that you'll be and the more strides that you can make. And I think you have to be have an extra level of adaptability. Some days I am out in the pins uh, wearing my cowboy boots and then I've got to throw on a blazer and slacks and head over to a meeting with uh, other producers or product developers, scientists, veterinarians. So you have to wear many hats. I think uh, adaptability is key there. Um, I would always encourage girls to continue to dress uh, professionally um, and modestly. Um, and don't be afraid to have a firm handshake and look all those men straight in the eye. You deserve a, a seat at the table and you can be there too. Ooh, you painted a picture. I can just see you squaring up with, you know, that serious guy coming out there and, you know, kind of questioning you and you are just staring right back at him and you're very put together professional outfit and owning your space and just going for it and knowing that you have every right to be there. <laughs> Yes, and I've learned we don't we don't necessarily have to be competitive with them. Um, I can especially see it in my role here. There are physical capabilities that I have to admit that I don't have. But I do think that as women, we have our own unique attributes that are very valuable to the industry. If you ask me, women can handle horses and cattle better just with their gentle spirit and more understanding and nurturing of the animals. So that's a valuable asset too. Maybe I cannot push a, a 1300 pound animal through the chute by myself, but if there's a little sick calf, I may be better equipped to care for that animal. So um Acknowledge your strengths and also acknowledge your weaknesses and, and don't be afraid to ask for help. I think if you come in with that really aggressive, I can do anything a man can do, which I'm not saying you can't, you can, um, but we don't have to be so, so aggressive about addressing those things. 
Ooh, yes. I'm so glad that we're talking about this. You painted that picture so perfectly. And I kind of want to like repeat it a little bit just to like highlight how important that is, that it's not about, it's not about competing with them, right? Like there are the things that, like you just said that women bring to the table that men don't, right? And we complement each other in those ways so that we can be better together. And it doesn't have to be an either, either or, or an I'm earning a spot instead of a man earning a spot, et cetera. It's I can bring this X, Y, and Z to the table, but I can also bring A, B, and C to the table. Can you, you know, like, can we work together? And how is that a benefit? And let's talk about that. Let's highlight that. Let's do it together in that way. Right, yeah, and in my role um, for risk management, I think that's highlighted as well. Um, women tend to be a little bit more risk adverse, whereas men are, you know, pushing for that extra profitability or taking the gamble. So I think in those scenarios and in, in buying, selling, trading cattle, it's really good to have the female counterpart in the industry to kind of level out risk a little bit. But without the men, uh, we wouldn't take the gamble on some. Yeah, that's a great point too. Definitely different ways to approach those problems. And again, not that one way is right or wrong, right? Like you said, right? We're not competing. It's not, nothing is black and white. So having that different perspective that a woman can bring to those kind of questions and scenarios or things that maybe they haven't done in a very long time because they have not had that voice in the room and you get to be that voice in the room. Right. Oh my gosh. Well, I know that you're definitely um, growing in this space too. And it sounds like you have found quite the niche place to be um, as a woman in this industry and leaning into your superpowers, if you will, um, sort of in the research realm and supporting, you know, with your family hay business as well. What's on the horizon for you? Like, what would you like to learn or grow in or do or try um, next? Um, I recently just got back from the National Cattlemen's Convention, and they had a lot of speakers there um, from the Beef Quality Assurance Program, Beef Checkoff, and the Masters of Beef Advocacy Program. So I think moving forward in this next chapter, I'm going to kind of focus on some of those endeavors and promoting the beef industry. Oh, I love it. How was convention? I saw lots of great posts and pictures and like recaps from Orlando, right? Is that where you guys were? Yes. Yeah, it was great. We were blessed with a lot of great speakers, um, just a wealth of knowledge, mentors. Um, it's a great place to get all connected. I actually got to meet a couple of the 30 under 30 girls, so it was a fun time. Oh, that's exactly what those conventions are for, right? Connecting people and inspiring you for kind of that next step too. So it was a trip well spent, it sounds like. Yes, yes, it was. Oh, so fun. Well, Sydney, this has been a lot of fun to get to know you and your sector of the industry. Um, and I'm so grateful that you brought your perspective on how they use horses in the feedlot setting um, and what you see and the care for those animals going forward. And I just can't wait to meet you and see you in Fort Worth here in just a few short weeks. And you know, I'm jealous you got to meet some of the, the other gals and being in Texas, you know, you're probably closer in proximity, but we're coming. We're all going to get together and it's going to be a really fun time. Yes, I cannot wait. Very excited. Yay, we're counting down the days. Well, thank you again for coming on the show um, and sharing your story with our Beyond the Saddle listeners. And I can't wait to see you here shortly. Yes, thank you so much. Thanks for riding along in this episode of Beyond the Saddle with Sydney Abbott. 
We recorded this episode before the fires in the Texas Panhandle, and our thoughts and prayers are with those ranchers and with that community. Stay tuned for more episodes with Cowgirl Magazine's 30 Under 30.